You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello, hello, hello. I am Matt Williamson. This is the Locked On NFL podcast. And as we do every Sunday evening, I get together with some of the folks from around the network. But this one's a little different. Right now, I've got John and Daniel from Locked On Chargers, which just so happens is the first time I've had two guests at once. So they had to call me. I didn't know how to call them both at the same time. I pulled back the curtain there. We're brought to you by my bookie. I'll tell you about them later. But I also have Marcus Mosher coming on after these guys. But the deal with that is I don't know who the Cowboys are playing yet because we're recording this at halftime of Bears-Eagles. And that half just ended in a very peculiar fashion. Bears are winning 6-3 in real time. By the time you're listening to this, you'll know the answer. Um, So we're going to do Chargers, Cowboys, and then the winner of that game, which obviously I don't know yet. But I wanted to get this out of the way. John. Hi, what do you, give me your first impressions of how things went today. Crazy game. Yeah, definitely a crazy game. I like that I, what I saw at Gus Bradley's defense. It, it seems like he used a lot of defensive backs instead of linebackers in this game. Yeah, He put Boza and Ingram in as the more interior linemen and used a cornerback or a linebacker to keep outside contained so that Boza and Ingram could actually get pressure on Lamar Jackson without leaving a running lane for him. And on the offensive side, they were still – pretty conservative but they were smarter with the way they did it to the point where it was taking up time and eating up clock and running out the Ravens defense so I felt a lot better after watching this game knowing that the Chargers finally made some good adjustments in this game including lowering the number of penalties they got yeah it's big Daniel what are your initial thoughts there Daniel that was well said John and I'm going to reiterate a couple of those things here in the next couple minutes as well I think it's huge, Matt. I think for this Chargers fan base, who's obviously been through a ton over the last few years, to see Phillip Rivers, to get that revenge against the Ravens and have Phillip Rivers get another playoff win and still be in the dance for the big win that he's been looking for. I think you can't say enough about this defense. And I think the main differences in this game is the first game, Phillip Rivers is sacked four times and had two interceptions. In this game, he was sacked once, zero interceptions by the Chargers offense. I think that was huge in this game. The only points up until, you know, less than nine minutes left in the fourth quarter came off of an offensive turnover. So, again, I have to give the hats off to the defense. Yeah, absolutely. And anyone that listened Friday, so far, like I said, this last game's at halftime. Um, I kind of nailed my predictions. And one thing I said on Friday's show is I looked at the AFC, and I think it's wide open. And I thought, and this is really looking ahead, and I'm jumping the gun, but I thought this was going to be the hardest game for the Chargers if they're actually going to get out of the AFC and go to the Super Bowl. This one worries me more than going to New England, going to Kansas City, if it goes that way. Did you guys have a similar feel, especially after watching it two day, you know, two, two weeks ago, John? Yeah, we did. Um I wasn't really thinking that far, but I definitely <laughs> had the thought of this team is probably the hardest team we're going to play defensive-wise. Other than that, our defense can handle the other offenses probably. And with the injuries to our linebackers, the other teams like to pass more, so we can rely more on the pass rush and on our DBs instead of having to rely on linebackers like we had to today. But thankfully, we didn't have to play a lot of linebackers thanks to Gus Bradley's smartness. But I was more worried about... Can the Chargers just even get past this game without making mistakes? Because even if we play 
New England next week, and we still do all, what we did all year making mistakes, it was still going to be extremely hard game. Yeah, I can't argue that. Daniel, this now brings the Chargers in 2018, well, 19-2, but 9-0 when they get on a plane. I mean, for people who don't know, their, their, quote, road loss was in L.A. to the Rams, and they also won across the pond, which was considered a home game. That shows remarkable toughness to me, mental toughness. I think it really is a feather in Rivers and the coaching staff's cap, and I don't know that the Chargers of other years would have been able to get something like that done. No, they absolutely would not have been able to get it done. And over the past few seasons, we've said you can look at the Chargers win and losses in one possession games, and it was just awful. Mm -hmm. And you knew that was the one thing this team had to take care of. And it's not just, Matt, the way that they've won on the road, but it's how these games have ended. You look back at Tennessee in London, a two-point conversion try. You have fourth and goal in Seattle, have to stop them there and then you go to Kansas City and Pittsburgh and end it on a last second field goal and a two point conversion try to win the game that's what stands out to me about this team and I think you have to tip your hat to Anthony Lynn who just holds these guys accountable this is an absolutely a different team that we've seen in the past because even with the gaffes in this game that we saw they gave the Ravens a chance the fumble some bad plays at the end Casey Hayward blows the coverage but this team had the resolve to settle in and make plays towards the end of the game that we just haven't seen in the three years we've been covering the Chargers. That's well said. I've never done this before. So on 3-2-1, I want you both to answer yes or no to this question. 3-2-1, the Chargers have found a kicker. Yes. Yes. Okay, good. We believe in this dude, all right? He's not a flash in the pan then, huh? Oh, my God. I can't even tell you how much we believe in Michael Badger. Even today... <laughs> The, the kick that he missed was blocked. I mean, he's made 59-yard field goals, the longest in Chargers history. He's made kicks to win the game. He makes his PATs. Caleb Sturgis was 9 out of 15 on point after touchdowns. That's ridiculous. So to have Michael Badgley, a rookie out of Miami, come in and do what he's done, I mean, he has been the missing ingredient oh, that man, this yeah. team has needed. And that's crazy to say about a kicker. It absolutely is. Um Let's wrap it up with the defense and how that's going to ha play out maybe in New England. Just initial thoughts. And my take was, uh, you guys kind of touched on it. I mean, really good defensive game plan. And I thought that on Friday, seeing Baltimore once is a huge advantage considering how odd they play by NFL standards. I thought Ingram was the best player on the field today by a wide margin. was a total superstar. And, and I retweeted something from Cynthia Freeland of NFL.com, and that was at halftime. They played seven defensive backs on every snap in the first half, and I'm sure it wasn't much different in the second half. And the Ravens, I think people have the misconception that they run so much that they're a power team. It's not like they line up in the eye with two tight ends and mash you with the fullback. I mean, the way to defeat them is with speed and making them, getting a lot of bodies to the, to the ball carriers, um, taking the whole field away. It's not just a between-the-tackles running game. So I thought that was wonderful. But, John, I think the opposite is going to have to be true in New England, though. New England is going to come out with two tights and a fullback and a power line and not take the ball out of Brady's hands, but they've become a run-first team in a much more traditional way. Well, that's with Sony Michelle. Yeah. Pretty explosive in the pass game and the running game. And so if you don't have your linebackers 
playing well, you're going to have to go back to those defensive backs. And they played really well. They were in their spots. Yeah, it's they're not meant for power plays, but if you're in your spot and you guys swarm to the ball like they did today, it don't matter if they're a power team because you can slow the guy down with one guy and two or three other guys will come and finish the job for you. It's not a one guy makes the tackle type of defense. These guys will swarm to the ball. And the first thing you have to do is get to the ball first. And we even saw today a guy that I personally hated that we drafted, but he had a really good game. This is coming from me and Justin Jones, <laughs> who actually was getting into the backfield today and even got a sack. And I was surprised. And if he could just even get an inch into the backfield and make Sony Michelle hesitate just a little bit, that's enough for the defense to get to their spots and stop the play. But you also have to be disciplined because the Patriots will do what the Chargers do, which is throw it to the running back in the swing or try to hit a tight end really fast on the quick routes. It's the same thing the Chargers try to do, but the Patriots are more disciplined in doing it. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Daniel, just a real quick note for those that don't realize it, that even going into this game, the Chargers played with more defensive backs on the field than many, maybe any defense in the league, especially after the Perryman injury and those type of things. Daniel, what are your initial thoughts with this game heading to New England next week? Belichick has time to prepare. Some of their older bones will be rested a little bit. And then I'm going to tell everyone about my bookie. Yeah, well, my first thought is, is Philip Rivers is 0-7 against Tom Brady. So I think this season has been a lot of the Chargers can't do this, and what they've been able to do is overcome that. But to talk about the defensive backs, this defensive backfield totally changed, and the defense in general, when Adrian Phillips, a backup safety who played mostly on special teams, came in to play linebacker, and that has totally changed this defense. Even today, you saw Jaleel Adai move into the box, and Ray Sean Jenkins, a fourth-round pick, come up and play deep and be the last man in coverage. That's huge. But the biggest thing for me, Matt, was just the pressure today. You had seven sacks. This defense is entirely different when you have Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram both getting to the quarterback, when you don't give the quarterback time. Seven sacks, being able to get to the quarterback with four is going to be huge in this game. And then you can have those seven DBs back there to clean up the rest of it. So that was the most comforting thing to, for me to see was just this Chargers pass rush getting to the levels we thought they should be at ever since Joey Bosa got back. Yeah, I think Phillips is kind of the unsung hero and he should become more of a household name nationally. I'm glad you brought him up. And you're 100% right. Both of you guys are great takes. I, everyone has to check out the Locked on Chargers podcast especially all week long. I mean, there's not many teams left. You've got to be tuning into all these, these guys. And, folks, the NFL playoffs are here, and it's time to get on the action in my bookie. So don't be the guy with no rooting interest as your relatives and friends sit around watching the games. Not this year, where the 53rd Super Bowl is right around the corner. It really is the most wonderful time of the year. I mean, these two weekends are awesome. So make sure you're ready for the daily action by signing up at my bookie today. They pay fast when you win. Ownership really cares about good customer service, and they offer the craziest props. Where you bet is just as important as who you're betting on, and I've told you that for a long time. And if you want to make money during bowl season, you got to go to my bookie. I mean, college, playoffs, all these good things going on. I trust them, but you don't have to take my word for it. Go check them out for yourself. Join now, and my bookie will offer you a 50% deposit bonus to make sure you have a nice bankroll for the bowl season. Use our promo code LOCKEDON25. That's LOCKEDON25. When you deposit to activate the offer, that's promo code LOCKEDON25. At MyBookie, you play, you win, you get paid. 
All right, we are back with Marcus Mosher from Locked On Cowboys. And last segment, I pulled the curtain back and told you that I was recording it at halftime of Bears Eagles. And to take that, you know, pulling back of the curtain even further, that game ended about five seconds ago. So, unbelievable <laughs> end to a great wild card weekend. Really close games. Very competitive. I feel really terrible for Bears fans. I feel bad for Parky. I don't have it lined up yet, but I'm hoping to get locked on Eagles to finish up today's pod. And Marcus, so let's start there. I mean, that last sequence Ooh. of field goals. I mean, obviously he makes it in the you know whenever they you know uh, ice him, and then he doinks it off the cross off the off the upright and the the crossbar. Just from the Cowboys' point of view, I'm sure it was stressful for you, let alone Bears or Eagles. What were you rooting for there? Well, that felt like a second playoff game almost because the last thing the Cowboys want to do is have to go into New Orleans and yeah, play the Saints okay. there. They're, they're just not going to beat the Saints in the Dome. Now, I the mean, Rams that was my the thoughts. Hand, I was wondering what your thoughts were, but yeah. You, know, you don't right, want right. to go to New Orleans. No, and you go to the Rams, you go play in L.A., it wouldn't shock me if there's what 25, 35% Cowboy fans there. Uh, that, that home field advantage is nowhere near the same as going to play in New Orleans. Plus, listen, you're playing a lesser team. The, the, the Rams are the number two seed, the Saints are the number one seed. I'll take playing the number two seed any day of the week. Yeah, I 100% agree. And the home field advantage is something I kind of wanted to stick with here because, I mean, going to New Orleans, and I'm hoping to talk to the Eagles speak people about that is about as tough a chore as there's going to be in the playoffs going to LA. Like you said, I can live with that. I mean, and no offense to you LA people out there, but it's not the same at all. There's no weather. There's no dome. And I very much believe that I don't know if you and I've had this conversation that the Cowboys are a very different team than on the road. I mean, at home and then on the road, I mean, they certainly play better at home, but I don't know that this road task is as nasty from that perspective no it's not and you know one of the things the rams don't do very well is they don't stop the run i think they're averaging you know giving up 5.1 yards per carry the cowboys can run the ball on this rams team and without cooper cup on the offensive side for the rams uh, are the Cowboys going to be really afraid of that team? They just stopped the number one rushing team in Seattle this week. Uh, obviously, Gurley is fantastic, and Sean McVay is amazing. But could the Cowboys turn that game into a slugfest? I-, I think that's possible, right? Right. I mean, that's kind of where I was going next. You keep stealing the words out of my mouth. Is uh, Yeah, the Rams are really good. They're rested. Gurley's going to be healthy. But I think you can maybe control the tempo and make it a heavy Zeke game. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, it, the whole story of that going to be the game is going to be can the Cowboys block the Rams front? And you know what? The Cowboys have a lot of really good players up front. So if they could neutralize Aaron Donald and Dominican Sue at all, I think the Cowboys can have a lot of success on offense. So it, for for the Cowboys perspective of things, the the Eagles winning on Sunday night was a big big thing for them, at least for the hopes of maybe advancing beyond the divisional round. Yeah, I mean, like I said, that game just ended. I bet your tone would have been a little different if it goes through the uprights. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. We probably are figuring what the Cowboys would probably be double digit underdogs in New Orleans. Yeah, I, I, think so. I wouldn't be surprised that against the Rams, they're you know what five to seven somewhere between there. Yeah, I think that's a that was a big game for Dallas. Yeah, I, I hear you. 
Um, you mentioned Donald and Sue, and I know you haven't done any homework on the Rams. Like I said, that just happened, and uh, it's not a team you guys play regularly. But I will tell you, Donald's every bit as good as everyone says and maybe better. And I'm not just saying that because he's a pit guy. But the key, sure. I mean, Sue isn't. I mean, Sue really has not been an impact player. Their linebackers aren't great. You notice people running up the middle because Donald ends up, you know, usually lines up as a three technique on the outside shoulder of a guard. But if you go to the opposite B gap or the A gaps, people are gashing this team a little bit. Absolutely. And we could talk about the passing game as well. Amari Cooper is a guy that has a lot of experience. Yeah, Amari Cooper has a lot of experience against Marcus Peters. Uh, Peters, when they faced off against each other in Oakland and Kansas City, Peters never had a good game against Cooper. Do I feel pretty good about that matchup? Absolutely. Now, I like some of their safeties in their nickel corner and Nikhil Roby Coleman. uh, But I I just think it's a team that the Cowboys can move the ball on. And I think Dallas's defense is playing well enough that they can maybe slow down the Rams at least a little bit in this matchup. Yeah, I I think that's very feasible. And Goff does not like a pass rush. I mean, that Rams O-line is playing better. But this, you know, Cowboys D is phenomenal at all levels. Um I guess you'll see Jones on Cooks or Woods either way. Again, I haven't given this much thought yep. either. I think the linebackers match up pretty well to Gurley in that that situation. I mean, I don't feel too bad from a defensive perspective from the Cowboys either. No, I'm going to add one more point really quickly. Yeah. Chris Richard, the Cowboys passing yes. game coordinator, very familiar with the Rams being with Seattle over the last couple of years. So I don't think I don't think they're going to be surprised by a lot of what the Rams do next weekend. No, no, I think you're right. Um, let's back it up a little to kind of finish this segment up, but we didn't even mention you know Cowboy Seahawks, and on Sunday evening, that seems like a week ago, but they right. really finished the game strong. I mean, that was an excellent fourth quarter by the Cowboys. Um, You've got to be really pleased with how Dak played as well down the stretch. Yeah, right. I, I think there's a lot of people that are looking at the passer rating and they see that he finished with an 86 passer rating. I don't really care about that. He mm-hmm. made enough plays in that game to beat Seattle. And listen, beating Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson in the playoffs is something that not not a lot of teams have done uh, You know, throughout the course of their career together. I think the only times that they've lost in the playoffs have been to eventual Super Bowl you know, participants. So uh, Seattle is a really physical team. The Cowboys played their style of football, and eventually they won another close game. And every time the Cowboys win one of these games, I think it's building confidence that, hey, they can go into Los Angeles, so they can go into New Orleans, and they can compete with the best teams in the league. That seems insane to me to even say that, considering where this team was in late October and early ago. November. Yeah, right. But yeah, the Cowboys are one of the best four teams in the NFC, and that's that's just crazy for me to say. Yeah, I mean, it's been a successful year. I mean, there's no doubt. If they get blown out by the Rams, it's a successful year, and I don't think that's going to happen. I do think this is about as favorable a matchup as you could ask for. Any other nuggets? I didn't notice any major injuries coming out of that game, but I really haven't been paying close attention either. The the only thing I would say is obviously they lost Alan Hearns oh, right, um, right. to the ankle injury. Uh, they're a little beat up at receiver with Tavon Austin's kind of dealing with a groin injury. Cole Beasley's dealing with an ankle. We'll see how those guys kind of come through the week, uh, but a little thin at receiver going into the divisional round. Yeah, that's a good note, uh, Marcus. This was a blast. Hopefully, for the Cowboys' sake, we are doing the same thing exactly a week from now. That would be wonderful. And uh, laying that groundwork, if we could do it again, if the Cowboys win, that'd be great. Where can everyone find you besides Locked on Cowboys, which is must listen this week. You guys are all going to listen to that. 
Yeah, we've been busy on Lockdown Cowboys, five shows a week. Uh, you can find my work at The Athletic, Pro Football Weekly, Fansighted, and Gambling.com. Before you leave, I want to ask you one little thing about the network, and I'm not putting you on the spot, but you're younger than me. You're, you're probably a little more hip with technology. This smart speaker <laughs> thing we got going on Locked On all of a sudden is badass. Yeah, it's pretty. I love it. it it's pretty incredible. You guys are going to have to go check it out. Uh, it's it's one of my new favorite apps that we have out there. So go ahead, check out Smart Speaker. Yeah, again, so I haven't told any of you about that yet. I was going to let Marcus kind of lay down the groundwork because he knows understands it better than me. But all your devices use Smart Speaker for the Locked On, all the Locked On podcasts. You'll love it. So, all right, bud. Uh, best of luck next week. And things was were crazy at the Wild Card Weekend. We will see you later. All right, as promised, I brought on Gino once again from Locked On Eagles. And Gino, you don't know this, but the first segment I recorded Locked On with Locked On Chargers, and we did it at halftime of your game. And then we just did it with Marcus Mosher from Locked On Cowboys, like one second after the Eagles had won it, after it clanked off both crossbars. <laughs> so a lot of different reactions all centered around your guy's game. And I'm just curious what your adrenaline, your thoughts were, you know, just that final series, obviously. It's come down to the last drive for this Eagles team so many times throughout the last two seasons. And it was only fitting last season in the divisional round playoffs against Atlanta. That comes down to a fourth down play to stop Julio Jones in the red zone this season. They have to score on fourth and two, and then they have to hope Cody Parkey misses a 43 yard field goal, which he ended up doing. (laughs) My my adrenaline was through the roof. My dog was jumping all over me, biting me. Everybody in the house (laughs) was up and screaming. I'm sure the neighbors four houses down heard me, but me and Lou just got done recording our podcast. We're feeling good. It, it's one of those victories that I think points to the overall experience this team has had in the playoffs. And yeah. when they were down in that game, I really didn't have a feeling that this game was out of reach. I, I, they settled well into their four-minute offense and went down and were very efficient and clocked it in fourth and two doesn't matter what down it is as long as you can score in the red zone that's all that matters and they did it the defense came up big when they needed to the offense came up big when they needed to team win all around it was an excellent way not the way I would have hoped it would have finished but an excellent way to win that game yeah no doubt and again I feel really bad for Bears fans and especially Cody Parkey but I mean such is life in the NFL brutal way to lose thrilling way to win Obviously, a very equal game. I, f- I feel like if they'd have played it ten times, it'd probably be five-five. Mm-hmm. And, and you mentioned some things right before I hit record. Was yeah, I realized the coaches were familiar with with each other, and you know, Alshon. This is his old team, but there was a lot more correlation when you think about it post game from ex Eagles, ex Bears. Yeah, all the way around from, you said, Elshon Jeffrey. You have Cody Parkey, who was an ex-Eagle, who missed that field goal. You had Cravon LeBlanc, who came up and created that fumble, which nobody knew it was a fumble because they blew the play dead. That that was one of that the funkiest bizarre. things yeah, I've ever yeah. seen. But all the way across, these teams were very familiar with each other, and you saw a lot of the same concepts throughout this game between Matt Nagy and Doug Peterson. That Andy Reid coaching tree is strong, and... 
when Mitch Trubisky, who I don't think is the most potent pocket passer, needed to come up with some big throws, Nagy schemed him up perfectly. Mm-hmm. I was I was deadly afraid on those last two drives of the scheme and how things were going to open up because that Bear team, they looked really contained the first three quarters, and Nagy finally started to open things up, and you saw how efficient they were in moving the ball down the field and how much these Eagles' young corners, they can bite on double moves and get caught up in some zone coverages, which they did. And Nagy played it great. But on the other side of the ball, Doug, Peter did, Doug Peterson did as well. And that's that playoff experience. And I think in the end, that that came out on top for him because he got the ball down. He worked that four-minute offense. Even without a running game, their leading rusher had 35 yards. They were able to work that clock down to under a minute left. And without that Cohen return, that game is basically over. And that offense did exactly what they needed to do down the stretch. Yeah, very well said. And he touched on a couple things I wanted to bring up. And first off, I mean, this is a national podcast, so I know there's some Bears fans listening. And I know it hurts right now, but it's kind of like when you tell a kid that learns a tough lesson. But it's like, I think this will be a very valuable learning experience for Trubisky, this Bears team as a whole. They're not going away. I mean, I think the Bears might become a much stronger franchise overall because of this. You mentioned Trubisky, and... Obviously, moving the ball was a struggle, as we've seen really three of the four games this, this this weekend. Which of the two quarterbacks you thought played had a better game on Sunday? Kind of Nick flip. Nick yeah. Nick down the stretch, I think, played better because his first half was just god awful. Right, I don't know right. what he was doing on that second interception where he's throwing it into quadruple coverage with Nelson Aguilar nowhere close to being open Mm -hmm. and Trubisky made the throws he needed to to make and like you said this is a young Bears team who all hats off to them for getting this experience because this is going to come up big for them next year and I think the Eagles team with the young guys that got experience last year they knew what it had to be done in this game to get things done and it's great for this Eagles team as well to get guys like Avante Maddox and Dallas Goddard that experience for next year I said to Lou on the podcast right before I hopped on here that even if Parkey made that kick this team is still coming out with loads of playoff experience for young yeah. guys like a Craven LeBlanc a Dallas Goddard guys like Trayvon Hester who don't who are undrafted free agents it's essential to developing a good team and a good dynasty with a Chicago Bears team who hats off to them have accumulated a great young core of front four defensemen you have a great core of linebackers that secondary played great your safeties were unbelievable top to bottom that's that Bears team is very talented and they're going to be a threat for years to come hats off to them in that game I think there's many bright days ahead and this isn't one of them but it's going to get better Bears fans zero Eagles running game though yeah I kind of said it Mm-hmm. before on a couple of the podcasts I did uh, Locked on Bears with Lauren Cox. I said I wouldn't be surprised if nobody had a 50-yard rusher in this game, which they didn't, because both of, both of these teams excel in in the running game on defense. This Eagles front with Fletcher Cox and Tim Jernigan, he they both, and the edge rushers as well, they all made plays in the run game. Nigel Bradham was flying around, had the best game I've seen since the Carolina game last year in 2017, if Eagles fans know how well he performed there, but... From top to bottom, these guys were just flying around and coming up with plays all across the board. The offensive line, hats off to them. I mean, it's tough. You you contained Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks 
and the rest of that group that they had enough to get Nick Foles time to throw the ball. And even though the run game wasn't working, you held them off just enough to get Nick Foles to operate well in that system. If you could get him like 2.3 to 2.5 seconds, exactly what they did a lot of today, he's going to make the throws. And Doug Peterson schemes him schemes guys open in that system very well even though it wasn't out of 12 personnel which a lot of us would have liked to see they still were able to make the throws get guys open and even without a running game they got it down into the red zone and converted when they needed to yeah and no going to Chicago Gino obviously is a brutal chore and I think it's going to be for NFC teams in the postseason for years to come but a totally different beast lies coming up this weekend. And going to New Orleans won't be cold. The, the conditions won't be sloppy footing. But playing in the Dome against Drew Brees and a rested Saints team, which I think is the best team in the league, ain't going to be easy. No. And I I said to Lou once again on our podcast, uh, Locked on Eagles checks out. Uh, oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, that... Everything is coming full circle for Nick Foles. The only playoff loss he has in his career is against New Orleans in 2013 where they watched Drew Brees march down the field, much like Mitch Trubisky did today, and it was inevitable, and they kicked a field goal to win. So now Nick has a chance to go down and beat a team that embarrassed this Eagles team on national television earlier in the year with Carson Wentz under the helm. And... Take a team who is completely different on defense, completely different on offense, and put up a fight. I don't think the Eagles being at nine-point dogs is a smart play play for Vegas. Once again, you saw that today. They were six-point dogs. But I think it's going to be a lot closer than people make it out to be. I like the matchup, our offense versus their defense, a lot more than I like the matchup with Chicago today. And I think our defense matches up pretty well with their offense. The Chicago team, they have weapons all across their wide receiver core. Outside of Michael Thomas in New Orleans, there's not really stud guys on the wide receiving core. So They got two playmakers. Yeah, exactly. Alvin Kamara, you could throw in uh, Mark Ingram in there and Michael Thomas. And if you could take the old New England style of football and shut down one of those guys, you could make life really difficult for New Orleans, which you've seen a little bit of the the last quarter of the season where they've struggled to move the ball at times. So I'm not saying it's going to be a cakewalk by any stretch of the imagination, but I don't think this Eagles team is a team to look over if I'm the Saints. Yeah, and... Gino, tell everyone where they can find you. Everyone has to check out Locked On Eagles all week long to prepare for this great game, as well as Locked On Saints. But before you do, I just want to throw this out there, that I was a creative writing major in college, and if I turned in the Nick Foles story from the last 365 days or so, my team, my professors would have been like, sorry, this is too unbelievable, Th- throw it away. You could say that about his entire career, that <laughs> the guy... Be, yeah. He had a 27-2 and two season with 27 touchdowns, two interceptions. He goes to St. Louis. He's basically about to hang it up and retire. And then Kansas City comes knocking. He ends up in Philadelphia, and now he's in play to be playing for a second straight Super Bowl. It's truly unbelievable. And I, I say all the time that I don't care who's under center for this Eagles team. It's still the Philadelphia Eagles, and I'm going to cheer for them regardless. And I love the Nick Foles story. It's just a testament to... 
people across the world and just stories in general and that you can't give up at any time. And even when you're at your lowest of lows, keep it going because you could turn out and have great success like this Nick Foles guy has. And he's really embraced the city. The city's embraced him. The team has embraced him. And everybody has elevated their place since he's came on. And it's great to see. I don't want the story to end next week in New Orleans. I hope we have another chapter. But if it has to end, it ended in style because this game is going to be talked about for years to come. Yeah, really well said. And I'm sitting here thinking... Nick Foles is going to sign with the Jags, take him to the Super Bowl, beat the Eagles in overtime. <laughs> I mean, that's just Could the way his life's that? going now. You know, that it's unbelievable. Be incredible. I right. wouldn't even be mad. It's just right. the story like, of Nick Foles. That's who he is now. You know, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> Dude, Pretty this was fun. Too. Everyone needs to check out Locked on Eagles. Um, I will be back on Tuesday with Sage as usual. We'll be talking quarterbacks, playoff quarterbacks. And the rest of the week is the norm, normal as well. I might even try to sneak in an extra one for you guys tomorrow. So maybe talk Hall of Fame, something like that. But that's a wrap. Over and out.